you're looking for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Recording, hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Bill Recording Podcast, episode 125. What's going on, Neil? What's up, dude? Back from vacation, are you? Yeah, man. <laughs> vacation and then to, to work. Was today. today your first day back to work? Yeah, man. It was yeah. rough. It was too hot. It was only 113 degree heat that what index. They said so, it was? Yeah, so that was a good day to start <laughs> back for vacation. Do? What you going to do? <laughs> well, we got a great guest tonight. We've got Skylar Jenkins, a.k.a. Noble Hobo. Welcome, Skylar. Hey, hey. Thank you for having me. It's oh, a yeah. pleasure to be here. And what'd you bring us, Skylar? We saw a bottle here. Yeah, so I got you a 10 year bullet bourbon. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. <laughs> we love oh, bullet bourbons. We, we will. First, Cheers. I'm I'm gonna be partaking in the uh, Bud Light Chilada because I don't do the bourbon thing, but <laughs> hey, we'll cheer yes. with you anyway. Yeah, you can keep that Chilada once I heard what was in it, man. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm not a V8 guy either. So that that's I don't think it was the V8 to got you. It was the clam the, juice. Uh, <laughs> I don't maybe, know. How, maybe someday. You know, maybe someday you'll like it. How do you get juice from a clam? <sighs> Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Skyler, we always start. Why don't you take us back to uh, childhood and tell us about your early memories of music? And then, you know, maybe at what point did you realize music was going to be a huge part of your life? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> when I was a little kid, like three or four, I had a stepdad and he played, he played drums and he had a little drum, uh, like drum set in the garage. And I'd go out there and just, beat on it and just mess around. And then after a while, uh, he, he kind of saw that I was interested in it. So he got me my own little kid drum set and I started playing that thing. And I just, I really loved music and I had a little, uh, like Casio keyboard thing and Mm -hmm. had, it had a little, uh, screen on it that would tell you where, like what the buttons were that you're supposed to press to play all the songs. So I just taught myself how to play that thing. And (laughs) that was, that was cool. That's like what I did. All day, every day, pretty much. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, my mom. My mom was saying like, whenever I would get mad, uh, I'd just like run away into the other room and just like close the door and play the piano. Like, what, are, <laughs> what are all those minor chords? Man, that's the way I feel. <laughs> Give me any minor. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, nobody else in my family plays music really. Uh, I wasn't really around it a lot. And my grandparents, they're both deaf, so it was like I, a lot of people kind of talk about how. They're like, oh, yeah, I listen to my grandparents' records and all this stuff. But it was, like, not a part of their life. It wasn't a part of my parents' life. Like, or, well, 
Wow. Yeah. You know, that is interesting because I, 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 my, the, my first correlation was that's interesting that your grandparents are death. But then I didn't think about the correlation that would have to like their kid listening to music because right. music wouldn't be around. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that kind of blew my mind a little bit in that little <laughs> sentence because that's, it's just, you don't, you don't follow that stepping stone to mm-hmm. get to the point where you're the kid that lives in the house of somebody that had deaf parents that wasn't around audible stuff. It wasn't as important. Yeah. And I mean, my mom, she loved music though, too. Like she was a pretty rebellious mm-hmm. kid. So she, she kind of raised me listening to like the Misfits and like Slayer ah, and all that stuff. <laughs> that was a, uh, we listened to like the Beastie Boys and all that type Sweet. of thing. But, but yeah, I mean, that wasn't really my, my thing though, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm, obviously I don't play that kind of music. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was a, I, I don't know. My my exposure to music was like kind of kind of limited, and I was one of those people that was like, like oh, I hate I hate my parent I hate my mom's music and I hate my sister's music and like I didn't really know what I liked to listen to, um, and so that became more of a a thing when I got into like high school and middle school. I started uh, I was playing in band and stuff, and so I I kind of got into classical music and I really liked that a lot. What were you playing? I played percussion, so I, okay. I did like all the timpani and xylophone and all that crazy stuff. No kidding, dude. Yeah. I get fascinated by a good a xylophone, dude. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun <laughs> stuff. I, I knew how to play it with like the four things in my hands. No kidding. Like, yeah, it was it was fun. So uh, <laughs> I kind of, but then I got into, I was because I grew up like with like the early late late '90s, early 2000s radio time. So uh-huh. like I was into like Coldplay and all those like uh-huh. bands and. Uh, but when I got to high school, though, that was kind of when, like, the emo thing was popular. <laughs> and so okay. I started listening to all the... I started getting into, like, hardcore music and metal a lot. And um, that was, like, when I really was like, oh, my God, I love this. I love this music. And I started playing that kind of stuff on drums. And then uh, me and uh, some some friends and my younger brother who... I didn't grow up with him. He had a different uh, mom than me. We kind of met later in life. And then it turned out we were both kind of doing music. Huh. So we started a little band. We were playing metal music and hardcore and stuff. And uh, that was that was really fun. But, still, uh, still drums at that point? The yeah, I was on drums. The Tainted Brotherhood. That was yeah. the name of their death metal band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so we just, we kind of did that. But we never got to the point where we played any shows. And, um, but then I kind of, I, I ended up, getting into this there was a community in Detroit where people were it was like the end of the Occupy movement and a bunch of people stayed behind and were basically started a community in all these abandoned houses in Detroit mm. and they were fixing them up and living out of them and just had this like weird little commune in the middle of the city and uh, so I I, was, I started hanging around there and then I met all these people that were like traveling and talking about all these crazy alien shit <laughs> I was like so what, what was happening here? That no these, these were abandoned amazing. houses that people just moved into, or they were, yeah, basically okay. they just took them over and started fixing them up. And then, like, uh, basically in the city, there's a there's like a squatters' right thing. So if you if you, um, like a big homeless camp, but in homes. Yeah, and I mean, but it was like a bunch of people from all over the place, and uh, there was a a guy there who basically was like telling me about how he biked to Guatemala from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he just, he just like rode his bicycle. <laughs> and I was like, what the f-? Like, what are Dude, you talking about? <laughs> biggest, 
Biggest calves in Michigan. The Forrest yeah. Gump of bicycle riding. Hey, you kind of got some uh, Forrest Gump calves, man. Oh, my God. I, he rides up this hill. That y'all just drove oh, really? Up. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah, he rides his bike up this shit. I was like, are you kidding me? No. Like, oh. Yeah, you put it in low gear, you can ride up the yeah, wall. Whatever, dude. I, I was I, in low gear on you. a Florida fl- flat street, and I was dying. <laughs> and I rode two blocks, maybe, so to I a am. pool. <laughs> Like, this is torture. Yeah, I, I don't think I could do so it. So, did, did you live in this space? I was I was living there on and off, kind of like uh, going going from place to place and crashing on people's couches and just was it of, a safe place. Uh, it's debatable. <laughs> Depending on who your friends were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the real I, the real question anymore is anywhere a safe place. Right, yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah, but I mean, what happened in the end was uh, this guy that. He biked across the country. I was like, I don't understand how you could do that and not be afraid to do it. And he he, he basically gave me this super inspiring speech about how um, he just, he, he believed in God and he was saying that like, the way that he looked at it, God is love and God created like all this stuff and, and basically fear is like thinking that there's going to be an absence of love. And so it's just a man-made concept because there's no such thing as the absence of love because everything's made of love. And I was like, well, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, basically though, I mean, it, it stuck with me though what he, what he said and how, how strongly he believed in all this stuff. And uh, I was just like, man, I, I think if that guy could do it, I could probably do it. And then uh, me and my friend watched uh, that movie Into the Wild. Mm. You ever see that one? Um, basically this dude just, drops his life and just goes and hitchhikes around and then ends up dying in a bus in Alaska. <laughs> no, I, I, I got a different take. I wasn't like, I think I'm going to go now. <laughs> like, no, I'm staying right here in the heat. Yeah, I, <laughs> where I don't the food know. Is. I, I just no, like, I'm just kidding. Me and my friend were like, pros and cons list. Like, how are we going to do this? Uh, and we, we couldn't come up with a good enough reason to stay where we were from. We're from like a small town. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, nothing going on there and I never felt like I really fit in with anybody and I just was like let's do it and so we just decided to go hitchhike to California and uh, <laughs> we were we were 18 like just just turned 18 from Detroit yeah and, and uh, were you playing music at this point I played guitar for uh, like I started picking up a guitar when I was like 16 I tried it out and I felt like I couldn't do it I, so you picked up guitar in high school yeah I, I got into guitar like way later um, and I didn't really I tried to learn the chords and it took me forever and I just got so frustrated and I was like, this is just not for me. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. Uh, I'll never play music again. (laughs) And then then I went on this little hitchhiking trip and uh, my friend had a ukulele with her. And so I was just messing around on that thing and she taught me a couple songs and I'd never sang in front of anybody at that point. And I was like, uh, basically I got to this point where I met this group of people and they were all like, hey, let's pass around a guitar and we'll all sing a song that we like. And then somebody passed me the guitar and I was like freaking out, like about to have a panic attack. I was like, I've never played music in front of strangers and I I wasn't ready for it, but uh, I just I just tried my best and it didn't sound good, but like everybody was just so supportive and I was like, I was like, okay, this is not that bad. I think I could kind of get into that and then basically I just I picked up a guitar 
uh, for real after that point because I started, I just kept hitchhiking and I kept like, I was hopping trains and doing all the, all the things. And So the first hitchhiking trip, like, did you, did you start it? Uh, like, where'd your first ride? <laughs> you go out to the, in front of the house and put your thumb out or <laughs> what happens? It was like Steve, Steve Martin in the jerk. <laughs> Where you going? I mean, how do you, End of the driveway. How do you start a hitchhiking trip from uh, Detroit to California? What did it look like? Uh, well, so we we uh, went out to... Go west. I was still I was still like living with my mom at that point. And so I was... I didn't want to... Uh, I just told her I was going to go stay with my cousin for a few months for the summer. You're runaway. Yeah. I mean, I was an adult, I guess, but... <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, so I went out there and then I... Uh, I don't know. We basically went out to the exit and just tried it out. We put our thumbs out. We didn't know what we were doing at all. And uh, somebody picked, stopped in a pickup truck and he's like, where are you going? And we're like, we're trying to go... I mean, we're trying to go to California. <laughs> he's just like... <laughs> Oh, okay, I'm I'm going to the next exit. So. I'll take you to Seven <laughs> Eleven. Yeah, he was like, I'm going to drop you off at the next exit, and I was like, okay, that's better than nothing. That's it. <laughs> so. Yeah, one point five miles. Right, we'll take it. So, how long of a trip was that? We ended up. We didn't make it to California. We went to Montana, and I ended up in Missoula. Um, and there was like just all these crazy things going on, and there was something called a rainbow gathering, and that was just like basically ten thousand people that went to a national forest and started. a temporary little city there and that was just for like a week or like 10 days or something and um yeah that took me like three months to get there and so to montana yeah from I mean, detroit it took you three months it did yeah and uh i mean we were staying with people along the way we we're kind of like open to all these experiences and we were just seeing where it took you we weren't in a rush you know yeah <laughs> um, good boy i staying with who oh we were staying with uh just, just know, whoever just was, random, yeah, whoever yeah. pick us up, and, just random people. Yeah, we had. I mean, we had a tent. We had a junior Boy Scout tent. <laughs> and, uh, so how often were you sleeping on, you know, on a street or in a field or something? We we're. I mean, most of the time we were sleeping in the tent, and okay. uh, I, I'm I'm six foot two, and this was like a, I couldn't fit in the tent if I was laying diagonal. And there was two of us in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, cuddle up, baby. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so that was crazy, but, um, it was, it was a really eye-opening experience because I had just been in this small town my whole life and oh, I, didn't, I didn't know about the world outside and I just was like this naive little whatever. And, small town of Detroit to Montana to see the world. <laughs> so that was, that was the start, <laughs> so wild. start of the path to Noble Hobo, I guess, huh? Yeah. I, basically what happened was, uh, I, I realized like traveling is something I really wanted to keep doing. And I didn't have a way to bring my drum set with me. So I was like, I better learn an instrument. And I, I picked up a guitar, just kept going with it. And I mean, basically, I didn't have anything to do but play guitar all day. So that's, huh. that's all I ever did. That's wild. And then uh, I ended up moving out to Montana and I lived there for a little while. And um, all these people there were obsessed with, uh, I was working in, in a kitchen and all these people were obsessed with The Devil Makes Three. And I don't know if you're familiar with that band, but they're they're amazing, like little string band. And uh, yeah. So that really inspired me to pick up a banjo and I just saved up some paychecks and just went and spent all my money on a banjo and I figured I should get a nice one so that uh, uh, I'll learn how to play it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it worked. And, I, and that's like, I basically switched from guitar to banjo and I just didn't put the banjo down for like a long time. And then, uh, yeah, I was just traveling around and playing music on the street and didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really know what I wanted. And... Um, I just figured I'd just keep doing it until something happened. And uh, I didn't really write a lot of songs at that point. But basically, I, I moved out to Washington State. And I showed up there. 
and I just had like a little backpack with a tent, uh, a tarp and a sleeping bag. And I had my guitar and that's like all of my possessions. <laughs> I just decided I was going to live there. And I, I was like, somehow I'm going to make this work. And, uh, this Olympia, Washington was such a cool spot. So I was like, I gotta live here. And, uh, so I got a job <clears throat> working at this place called the, the King Solomon's Reef. And it's like a really cool little diner, cafe, bar thing. And um, I was just sleeping on the, I was like sleeping on the top of a building <laughs> in the middle of the town, like sneak into an alleyway and climb up this staircase until it was like really? the only place in town where I could find like a wow. little shelter that nobody knew about. <laughs> and then- uh, How long did you do that? I slept there for like a week while I was working at this place. And then I found- uh, there was this kid that worked there and he was like, Hey, did you, are you just like sleeping in a tent? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, dude, that's what I did when I started working here. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I just got a job at a farm. So if you want to, uh, if you want to just like take my spot at this house, I don't think they're really going to be cool with it. But if you want to just like, kind of like sneak into my room, you can just sleep there. Just don't talk to anybody. You just sleep, sneak in at night and just like close the door. And I was like, uh, okay. And so I just kind of was like living out of this like secret life for a minute. <laughs> and, uh, so that was, yeah, that was crazy. How long I, before you were discovered? Yeah. Uh, I, I got another week out of it. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> um, and then at that point I had, I had gotten my like first check and then I met some people. I was like, hey, uh, I looked on Craigslist found a place where they were looking for a roommate. And so it was like, I mean, history at that point, I just got into this place and then I, I, I had a, a new life. Uh, everything changed like, at that point. Huh? Yeah. I was like, man, I got a bed. I got, I found Running a bed. On water. The, yeah. And I was just like, man, this is, this is amazing. And this is like living in, I don't know. I felt like I was living in luxury. I just had like a I shitty mattress in a two bedroom apartment with another so couple. <laughs> up, to that, up to that point, like when you left Detroit and went to Montana and ended up in Washington, uh, were you enjoying this lifestyle or like, where were you, the, you know, in the head and then like, how, how were you feeling? So I've, I kind of grew up with an unstable life and I had a lot of anxiety as a kid and I was diagnosed with like depression pretty severely when I was like six years old. And so, mm. uh, I had a lot of struggles with that stuff and I ended up when I was traveling, it felt like you know, my goal was very, it's like, okay, I'm in Kansas City and I want to get to Omaha, Nebraska. Like, that's my only goal in life. <laughs> and so I got a ride all the way there and I felt like, man, I did it. I accomplished my goal. And, I, and it, it was like this weird feeling of like these tangible goals that I was reaching every day. And if I wasn't getting there, it was at least something I could like strive for. And so, in a way, it felt really cool because, like, I mean, there's an unlimited amount of things you can do when you're, like, at home and you and you want to figure out how to spend your time. But if you're trying to get somewhere, there's just, like, one, one way to get there. You just go. And uh, so, I was just always on the move, and I always felt like I knew what I wanted to do because I just wanted to get to the next city because my only goal was to go west. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, that really was, uh, there was some comfort in that, but it was, like, a very stressful lifestyle. And you never knew when you were going to get a ride. You never knew when you were going to eat. You never knew when you were going to like. Oh, yeah. I'm all sure right, it so wasn't easy at all. couple questions. The first night that you were able to shut that door, 
and you talk about like living in luxury was the real was the real piece there being able to feel like I'm finally secure with two doors away from the outside world to where I can close my eyes and not have to feel like I'm looking over my shoulder or waiting for somebody to, you know, come try to steal my guitar or take my tarp or is that that space and time from the time you walked out of your door just over 18 until you got that apartment. Is that what it really like? What was that first sleep like? Yeah. I mean, that was, it was amazing. I just felt like I was like sitting there laying down, just excited. I couldn't sleep. I was like, man, this is, this is it. This is like a whole new city. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows anything, but I, I got a place and I'm ready to see what happens and I can, I can live whatever life I want. And uh, <clears throat> that's when I really started getting into writing music for real. Like I hadn't really uh, had the space for it. I was, I was playing covers, playing on the street and doing all this stuff, but I hadn't really had the, I didn't figure it out life what I experience? wanted to say. Yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't dude, know what that's I was. A, that's like a life altering ordeal that you put yourself through. And it's kind of like, it, it's, it's funny hearing the objective goal of the daily. All's my goal is to get to the next place. It's kind of like you put yourself in an artist's struggle and not, not maybe not even on purpose. Maybe you didn't even know you, you know, you know, you liked music, but you weren't writing a ton or if you had started writing, but you know, maybe internally you knew uh, something about, you knew you needed a grind to get something out of you or to get to a place where, you know, you write a song. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just felt like I couldn't, I just like had never really connected with my own voice at that point. I just, uh-huh. I mean, I had had a lot of things that I could have written about, but I didn't know how to, I just hadn't had a chance to check in with myself, you know? Yeah. And so that was like really when that started to change. And all throughout that point, I had, I was in this like weird on and off relationship with somebody and, uh, that was a big uh, kind of stress in my life as well, trying to make that work, but not knowing anything about having a healthy relationship. And so <clears throat> basically, I just was like, yeah, I got this weird thing always in the back of my mind, and it's just not working out, and I don't know what I want. And I just, I just want to be a normal person, and I just want to have a normal life. And I had never felt like I was able to do that. I never felt connected. I never felt like I was a part of anything. And so, uh, yeah, I, I actually, I wrote a song about that. If, if you want to hear that. Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So, uh, and when we say here a song, listeners, and he just picked up his guitar and he's just playing this live on the spot. Yeah. Hopefully I don't forget any of the words. <laughs> you got me drinking all this, uh, Clamato. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Can't say that I've ever dated But I've been loved And I've been hated Making labels such a funny way To surely lose friend someday I don't want to say it's true but I'm still waiting to be disproved till then I 
I'll trade a piece of me for a little piece of you. We'll just see what that leads to. Cause I just want to be somewhere in between a hobo and a king. Tired of everybody always looking up to or down on me. Oh. That song's called Family Tree, and um, basically, it's just about all that uh, all that stuff I was going through. Like, I was in this like weird, unhealthy relationship, and it made me like not know what I wanted from the world, and not know what I wanted from the relationship. And I just, I was just going through a time, and uh, I was like finally in this place, in this house, and I was like, I can like be free, and I don't want a relationship, and I don't want any of that stuff, and I just want to be this person that's just like living their life and uh and that's somewhere that's, between a hobo and a king yeah and that's that's <laughs> kind of like where that concept i had this like alias that i was kind of using and it was like this thing i was just writing it out and had a little symbol and 
was like the noble hobo. And I was like, were you a tagger? No, I never, I never got into that. I do have a tag. I just never, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> We're going to see noble hobo tags. Next time we see a train go by. We'll say, we know that NH. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> so when did you, is that when you started using noble hobo? Were you performing at this point yet? No, I, I was still busking. I started going by noble hobo though. I was like saying like, no, I wanted Noble Hobo to be kind of like a music collective, you know, like whoever whoever wanted to be part of Noble Hobo could be part of Noble Hobo. It's like a, all these traveling kids playing music and like doing their thing on the street. And uh, I had this idea that Noble Hobo could be like a, you know, a collection of artists and people that are traveling and, yeah. you know, band, bands form on the street all the time. And then you part ways and you go to different cities and you're, headed in different directions and then you meet friends of those friends and then you meet and it turns out all these people are going to the same places all the time and uh you get an instagram and you realize that everyone you ever met was like friends with everyone else you ever met Uh, (laughs) you're touring right now right yeah so i i am on my second week of this tour and uh yeah it's it's going great this is the first tour i've ever been on and uh i'm kind of doing it my way i'm doing like a little diy thing hitting up all the people i know and that's what i was going to ask do you pick you know the concept you just described do you do you pick up people you know in different cities and play with anybody or is this mostly solo well um for that to happen i think really the goal would be that we would be learning each other's songs and so noble hobo could be like whoever knows all the songs, you know, or whoever contributed to the song book or whatever. And I hadn't, I hadn't really figured it out. I think that's still one of those ideas for the down the line. Once I, once I really get more established, but uh, for now I do have some friends who are part of, part of Noble Hobo, but uh, at the moment it's like, I mean, I, I've written all the songs and um, I'd really, I would really like to find a dedicated band and then let the songs be songs that people know. And, and then whoever knows the songs can just join the band, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you talked about busking. What do you, what do you feel like? I mean, that has to contribute to your growth and development as a musician. How, how do you feel like you developed from those experiences on the street? Yeah. I mean, the busking experience. And where were you busking? I busk like all over the country. I've been, I've been pretty much every major city except for like in Alaska or Maine. Uh, I haven't really made it up there yet, but I do plan on getting up there this, this tour. Um, but I've been all over the place and, uh, I just find a street corner that looks kind of busy and just set up shop and just start playing music. And, uh, at first I, I was very timid and I didn't know, how to get into it, but I had this friend, his name's Tommy Spaghetti. Huh? <laughs> and he's uh he's kind of like a notorious character in uh Detroit. But he he was really into it and he always had this idea. Like he he saw something in me where he was like really just like, come on, like you gotta do this and like come out on the street and play some music with me. Mm. And I had never seen anyone do it before. I, I was like, I don't know how to do it. And he was just like, I'll teach you some of my songs, we'll go play together. Like you just got to sing because you got the voice and I don't, he, he just like, he was very much just like, you, 
if this is your thing, like you got to do it. And he, he brought it out of me. Um, and so I really owe him a lot of that development. Tommy Spaghetti was your hype man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so basically from there, I just, uh, I just, I was playing all the time, playing other people's songs, but I remember the one moment that really made it feel possible. And it was when I was in Olympia and there was this person, it was a Saturday night and I was just playing music on the street. And I, I, I was just so frustrated that day about just whatever was going on in my life. And, uh, <clears throat> I was singing this song and I just started yelling and, uh, but it, it actually came out. <laughs> um, it came out like, a the way that I had heard other artists, like having this power behind their voice. And I was like, whoa. And somebody had somebody heard me playing and they're like, whoa, who are you? And I was like, I'm I'm nobody. <laughs> and he's just like, dude, are you sure? Like, you you could be like selling out arenas. You could be like, you should be playing shows here. Like, I've never seen anything like that. And I, and that was the point where I was like, whoa, I've never had, I've never felt that power come out of me. And then to have somebody just like recognize it immediately, I was like, okay, I think I could do this. I just need to find that and like learn how to get that out of me. And so that was, that became like a goal of mine. And I started anytime I was busking, that was the thing that would like turn heads. It was like, just let it all out and be open and be vulnerable and be emotional. And that's, that was the thing that people wanted to see. When you're just playing on the street like that to people you don't know that, that are just walking by, um, that seems like it would definitely be a unique opportunity to find out what turns heads and what people like. And yeah, what, definitely. You know, and what skills you need to hone and what you need to quit doing. <laughs> yeah, and basically, that was what really allowed me to figure out what <clears throat> what kind of music I wanted to write. I was just testing things out. and I had, I have had a lot of influences um, musically, but I think... My music just, I don't, I don't have anyone in particular I try to play like or sound like. I just do my, I just do what feels right, you know, and it's, it's a very emotional kind of thing for me. And I've always found it to be very cathartic. So, I mean, my emotions are mine, you know, there's no, I'm sure there's people feeling similar things, but just like, I'm, I'm sure you could compare my music to somebody else's, but I don't, I don't think there's anyone in particular that I, I try to sound like. Man, so when you're early starting with drums and playing drums and you, you go through a uh, school band and you learn all this orchestral music and this classic music, is your relationship with the music and, and learning the instruments at that time, how does it compare to transitioning into figuring out like your style of songwriting? Is it a different type of like passion feeling when you actually transition from, because, you know, drums are such a physical instrument. It's more about syncopation rhythm. Uh, you can still get super, you know, drawn into it. But most of the time when you play a drum beat, you're playing or, or playing classical, you're playing a piece of music, you're playing written um, arrangements and things like that. So I just, does it feel different it, because it, they're I, they're completely different instruments? So it might be an unfair question, but well, <clears throat> I think it's it's kind of 
relevant to my situation because most of the time I play with a, a suitcase kick drum and a tambourine while I'm playing the guitar or the banjo or whatever. And uh, basically I was like, I want to, I want to find something I can do that combines like all the things that I know how to do. And um, <laughs> that took me a long time to figure out how to do. You get real physical. <laughs> yeah. Real quick and, uh, doing that, dude. I was like, how can I do the most? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, so that was, I mean, that was really cool to get into because then, then it was like something that set me apart from a lot of the other buskers. And then, and I've seen a lot of people here and there doing that same kind of thing, mm-hmm. but uh, our music is pretty different too. And it's yeah. just like, I mean, there's a million people that play the guitar. And maybe there's like a thousand people that play the guitar with the suitcase drum. Set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just had Zeno Jones in recently. Y'all don't play anything like really. Huh? Yeah. Completely different styles and. Yeah, really, it's just a rhythm section. It doesn't no. have to be yeah. anything. It's just a, the most portable rhythm section that Absolutely. I've found. Um, it yeah. definitely gives it gives more feel to what's going on, you know, better idea of what the song is, and it's, it's awesome. So, Skylar, I, uh, I met you the other night at the Monarch here in Louisville uh, playing uh, before Tyler Hood. How did that relationship come about with Tyler? So Tyler, uh, <clears throat> Tyler was he he entered into the Gems on VHS uh, songwriter competition, uh, Gems in the Rough, and that was uh, I think twenty twenty one. That was last year. And, yes. Uh, yeah. So he he won that competition, and so I was very aware of him because I'm a big fan of Gems on VHS, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just like, man, this dude's awesome. And and then so, I mean, I was listening to his stuff, and you know, time went on. And then they announced they were having another competition. And I was like, I want to I want to do this. Like, I felt like Gems on VHS was like the type of music that I've always felt pretty drawn to. And I felt like that was very much how I liked to play. But I, but like that my style would be dis- distinct enough to kind of like be a part of that scene, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I think these are my people and I got to figure out how to get on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so... <clears throat> Basically, I, I entered into the competition and I, I made it into the top three uh, this year. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, nice. And so that's an accomplishment. Heck yeah! Yeah, I mean, that, was, that was a very to, exciting thing. Usually close to what a thousand submissions. Yeah, I think there was like eight hundred people. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I kind of put my thing out there. I was like, I, I doubt this is. I, bet, I doubt anyone's even gonna like see it, but I gotta try it. And then uh, I got a I got a phone call from Anthony Simpkins, and he was just like, "Hey, you got in the top three. and I was like. My jaw just dropped. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, that was so exciting. And so I um, I had this show booked in Chicago because somebody somebody out there had kind of heard of me through that competition. And I was like uh, talking with him a little bit and he set up a show. And so I was like, man, why don't I just, uh, I'm going to be driving all the way out to Chicago. I might as well just make that the start of a tour. And I'll just go from Chicago and just keep going. And uh, I'd never done anything like that before. So I just started trying to like reach out to all these booking agents and all these like, I, I, did, I didn't reach out to any booking agents. I couldn't figure that part out. So I was like, I got to do this myself. And I started reaching out to all these bars, probably reached out to like a thousand bars and got like five responses. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it yeah. was damn. It was crazy. I couldn't yeah. find any of this stuff. So I, then I was like, I need to find a new approach. And I started reaching out to other people that played music like me. Uh, and I, I reached out to Tyler Hood and I was like, hey, 
would you want to play some music together? And he's like, heck yeah, like, let's do it. I, I loved your gems on VHS thing. And, and I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Cause like, he's, he's like the real deal. He's, he's doing yeah. the thing. And so, um, great. Yeah. Too. Oh, dude. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. That was the first time I got to meet him over at the Monarch. And so, uh, but I, I feel like we really hit it off and it was just, it was such a fun time. What'd you think of the Monarch? I thought the Monarch was one of the coolest places I've ever been to. Yeah. Uh, you know, like their, their whole vision and Mark over there, he's got like just such a cool plan. And it's going to be cool to watch the evolution of that place. Yeah. Oh, I can't yeah. wait to see what happens. It's like, it's a, it's a really big idea. And I think he's got what it takes to make it happen too. And you and Tyler will always be the first one mic at the Monarch. Boom. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad I can bring it in. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be the last uh, of us or. Was the mural done? Yes, yeah, it was. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy did that in one day. That's insane. Wow. <laughs> With spray paint. Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah it was great. Visual art, man. It's where it's at. <laughs> well, let's hear another tune, Skylar. Yeah, so uh, let me, I'll play the one that I, this is the most recent song I wrote. And um, it's actually about that whole experience. I, I wrote this, I wrote this like a few weeks ago. And this is about that experience oh, that I had when I was in Olympia. Um, basically, that story I told you earlier. Oh, let me grab this guitar. Um, <clears throat> that story I told you earlier, this was me reflecting on everything that had happened. And uh, just like thinking about in retrospect how all that stuff was so difficult and that lifestyle was so difficult. But when I think back to it, it's like this weird nostalgia, this weird comforting feeling that I think a lot of people kind of feel about hard times. There's something about hard times where you have to like strive and push and be strong. And then... When things are easy, you don't have to do that. So it's like you almost miss how badass you were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard a mountain climber talk like that one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of exactly what you said, though. He said, you know, climbing a mountain's not necessarily fun, but you get through it and it's fun to think back on. Uh, yeah. That's how I felt. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of what this, this song uh, boils down to. It's called uh, it's called Graveyard Shift, and I think this is I mean this is the song I'm gonna release this as a single pretty soon. Uh, just got to find the right way to put it out and record it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <clears throat> started doing dishes to get the money I was missing so I could find a place and cover rent you know times were hard 
I'd work a little harder Trying to bridge those troubled waters in my mind I had the graveyard shift And all the songs that came from it I never showed them, I just kept them all inside down All the hurt, the dirt, the turmoil All the riches and spoils I give thanks All the songs I've sung And the ones still yet to come Tears I've had to shed to find my strength Back when times were hard I was sleeping on the pavement Couldn't find my way And all the comforts I had known were gone But I had the graveyard shift And all the songs that came from it I should have sang but I was barely hanging on I should have sang but I was barely hanging on song hit <laughs> brought some chills up on my arms a few times that's my uh that's what i aim to do <laughs> <laughs> non-release too yeah yeah those are my faves so working yeah. on that oh yeah man hopefully i'll have a i mean i got all the things i need for an album i just don't know how to haven't figured out who to work with or make it happen yeah how to make that happen so we'll we'll be uh i don't know you're no longer in olympia right no, no, I ended up um, kind of going all over the place for years, and then I ended up coming back to Michigan. Uh, that's where, my, like, all my family's from, and I figured it would be a good good thing to come back and kind of see what's going on and, and connect with all my old friends and all that stuff. And yeah. so uh, it, it turned into, like, hey, I'm going to come back for a couple weeks to... I've been back there for three years. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've been like traveling here and there, but really, uh, it's been uh, I've I really started to root down a little deeper and get connected with my community and just 
be a part of this thing that I was like running from when I was younger. So has that, uh, has that been another kind of massive shift for you? At least initially back in, you know, three years ago when you yeah, ran back, came def- back. Definitely. I was like having a hard time accepting it. You know, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave pretty soon. I'm going to, I'm going to be out of here any minute. <laughs> and yeah. Just say that every week until I'm next thing I know it's been like forever. And I've got all these things tying me down, but tying me down, like in a good way, you know, it felt like there was things I didn't want to leave behind. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have that before. Maybe like anchoring you to reality more than tying you down, you know? Yeah, anchoring definitely. You to yeah. Something. Anchoring. I think that's a good way to put it. It was like these roots that were really holding me to the earth when I was living so much like up in the, in space. <laughs> <laughs> so you just, uh, you came here from what? Johnson city, Johnson city, Tennessee. Is that right? I, I was in white pine. Uh, I was in white pine, Tennessee. Okay. That was, uh, over where the rusty Creek forages and they're, uh, some really cool people, Matt and Gina out there. They do, they make like knives, handmade knives, and they they make them for like artists and stuff. And they do shows at their place. And whenever an artist comes in, like plays a show there, they gift them a knife. That's like no. a custom oh, knife. Cool. Really? Yeah. And they're they're really beautiful things out there. And they uh, they're super well connected in that whole gems on VHS community too. And so um, I was hanging out playing playing a show with this band Pine and Fire. They were in the gems contest last year. Uh, they were like right behind Tyler Hood. And uh, they're just phenomenal musicians as well. And so we were just kind of kicking it and having a good time, sharing music, sharing food, and just hanging out. And then uh, I was like, I'm going to come out to Louisville like five hours away and uh, hopefully not make a fool of myself on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And then you're you're heading from here to New York. Well, yeah, I'm going to Michigan for a day. Got to be a part of a wedding. And then as soon as I'm done with that, I'm heading straight to New York uh, the next day. And I'll be cutting it pretty close with the uh, timing. (laughs) (laughs) So how much longer on this tour? I'll be out until like the first week of August. So I got another month. Um, and then that, is that when you hope to, uh, is August when you hope to start recording some of these songs you've been working on? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would be, if I found the right opportunity while I'm on this tour, I'd, I'd kind of stop and start recording. I, I think I could do it all pretty quick. I don't think it's going to be a very complex album. I just have these songs that I want to record. And I don't really want a lot of instruments. I'm not going to do any tracking. It's just going to be me and the guitar or the banjo and just do it in like whatever, whenever one I get a shot, good... One yeah, mic. Yeah. When... <laughs> no, maybe, maybe two mics or something like that. Right. I mean, when I get a good take, it'll be like that one's going on the album. You know? There you go. So our listeners that want to follow you a little more closely, uh, where can they find you on the, on the web, on the socials, all those things? Yeah. Uh, if you, if you want to go to Instagram... Um, that's the place I'm most active. It's noble underscore hobo, uh, N O B L E hobo, you know, and then, um, basically I'll be, I'm on YouTube. Uh, I think that if you wanted to hear my music, that'd be the best place to go right now. Um, but yeah, if you want to like follow me on Instagram, stay connected, that's where I'll be posting all the announcements and things like that. 
Um, I've got Facebook. Everything I post on Instagram shares there. So you'll be up to date on that. Um, or if you want to go to the website, I got uh, nobohobomusic.com. You can get on the email list or whatever and if, you, if that's more your style. Uh, and then I'll send you an email whenever I come out with any albums or anything like that or big, big updates. Um, but yeah, for now, um, I'm really just trying to make connections and just make friends and play some music and uh, get my act pretty tight. And um, the music thing is, uh, it'll come. And I just need to, I want to, I want to go out and like, meet all these people even though I don't really have anything to put out music wise right now mm. um, because I mean that way when I do have something I'll have people to come back and show it to <laughs> <laughs> alright <laughs> well we usually go out with a song you have one more in you you can do yeah it. definitely I'll, I'll play you the one that I uh, I entered into the Gems on VHS contest so oh, uh, this is the the one that got me pretty far in the songwriter thing okay and we'll uh, we'll be going out with this one. So we just want to take yeah. an opportunity to thank you for coming in and yeah, talking man. with us for the last hour. We yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll, after we uh, after you play this song, we'll set up for some one shot videos. Some self reflection. I've done some work, my dear. 
I've let go my attachment, but I'm holding on to fear. Oh, I'm holding on to fear. So fare thee well to anger, and fare thee well, my love. I couldn't love you in the sunlight, cause my shadows hung above. Oh, my shadows hung above. Come new hope. 